No, it's way better than Zoom. This <laughs> Riverside, man, it's everybody that calls in or gets on. I shouldn't say calls in. Yeah. They're amazed at how how easy it is. Oh, yeah, it's very easy. And the quality is unreal. Like when you mm-hmm. listen back to the high the high definition or hi-fi sound, mm-hmm. it's uh it's crazy different over when we used to try it with Zoom. Yeah, I was Zoom uh, took me a little bit to get used to. The first one I did, I didn't record the audio files separately. Yeah, and so I, I messed it up pretty good. Because my audio needed to be adjusted up and the other guy needed to be adjusted down. Yep. Which actually, that was Brian, who was just went live today. Yeah, <laughs> the, right. The, the take two. The round one. <laughs> round one got botched because I, I didn't know what I was doing on Zoom. Yeah. So is that what you started doing most of yours on was Zoom and then moved yeah. to the... What are you running now? Uh, I wrote a a road a roadcaster um, is the, the board's name. It's made by the company Rode that makes like microphones and stuff like that. Sure. So yeah, and I, I just run straight into the board, that. and then the board's hooked into my computer, so it just goes into the board into the computer. Right on. So are you taking that with you when you go? You're going to the UP, right? Mythical yep. land above the bridge. <laughs> yep. My first time up across the Mackinac. Man, I've got family back in Michigan. And we, as a kid, I used to go back all the time. And now, like, after all these years, I've never been north of the bridge. And I hear I've, it is just, like, the closest to the kind of our area mm-hmm. in just how wild it is yeah. than anywhere else. Um, I've been up into Michigan just a little bit to... When I I was in college in Ohio and we went to go pick up a manure spreader for some Amish guy, like I was helping a guy out on a, like a side job. And that's the extent of, and then the Detroit airport one time, like that was the extent of my, <laughs> that was enough. Uh, a, a layover there. That's the extent of my Michigan knowledge. And so you're going is, up for just taking, you said you weren't hunting. You didn't get a tag, right? No, I'm just going up, um, taking a camera, going to try to do some video. I don't know. At least get some good pictures. Run on. You gonna have do some fun. podcasts while you're up there? Yes, I am. You got some lined up, like a teaser or uh an old bear hunter. He's uh seventy four. I'm going I'm going up to hunt with him. I got a dog from a couple years ago. The dog didn't work out, but me and him have stayed in contact. Real great guy. He's been bear hunting for I don't know, forty years. Right on. And he coon hunted before that, so That's cool. I know Buddy and I were talking, we got a couple of I use the term old timers nicely, <laughs> but you know, some of the local Oregon guys mm-hmm. that we're going to really try to do. And, uh, cause they get, I don't know. It seems like some of those guys you talk to, they're really hesitant about doing the podcast. Do you, do you have a lot of guys that are real hesitant or are they pretty gung ho to do it? Um, the one guy was pretty hesitant, which actually you'll hear eventually. Cause I, I flat out asked him and, and I'd say it in the podcast. I'm like, Hey, first question, do you want to do a podcast? <laughs> so I just I just called the guy randomly, like he gave me his number, I, and I was like, "Yeah, I want to talk to you." So he gave me his number, and I called him. I was like, "Hey, you want to do a podcast?" And he's like, "No." I'm like, "We're just gonna sit here and talk. Like we're gonna Stop. do that anyway. <laughs> I'm just gonna record it." <laughs> he goes, I-, "I guess, but I don't really have much to say." And then how long was that podcast for somebody who had nothing to say? After, after editing it, it was like a hundred or hundred an hour and sixteen minutes, but it was like an hour and. 35 or something before I yeah, cut some of like the, the stuff out in the beginning where it was like me kind of reassuring him and you sure. know, we got into some personal stuff. So I, I cut that out, but 
It's like they just, I think once they get rolling and they realize that it's just like having a conversation, it's a yep. lot easier for them. Because those guys, they got knowledge. That, oh, yeah. Like, it doesn't need to just fade away. You know, mm-hmm. there's so many stories and so much information those guys can pass on where before you literally wrote letters or you just knew the guy or, you know, you traveled mm-hmm. where now, I mean, this is in everybody's car. It's at yep. the gym. It's wherever they want to listen to it. So mm-hmm. I think it's really cool when we get those old timers on. No, that's actually what like really kind of got me interested in this podcasting was like Brett Vaughn's like recording with the these old timers, like you said, I mean, yeah. I use that in the highest respect because it's, that's who I like to hear. And so I was like, I know a couple of guys that I would love to sit down and just talk to. So I'm like, that's what kind of made me make the plunge into this. And one of the things. For sure. So if people haven't figured it out, this is Ben Sheets with Tree Talking Media. And you're one of our contributors here on the, the DU Hound podcast. So I yeah. want to talk a little bit, we're going to back up. I'd like to get into some stuff about your personal background in hounds and how you got into it. And then maybe towards the end, we can um, give people a little teaser because it sounds like this Michigan trip will be cool and you're going to get some good content out of it. I'm hoping. I mean, that's one of the big reasons is I want to go is like I said, I want to hunt with this guy that I've known for a few years now and he's 74 and he kind of told me, he's like, I don't know how many more years I'll be hunting. So right, get up here if you want to go. <laughs> Hurry. But, <laughs> But like I said, getting content like with him and, and being able to sit down and, and actually sit face to face with him and talk to him where like I've had tons of phone calls with him and it's like, I want to try to get some of that face to face, you know, recorded. So for sure. So how, how did you get into hounds? I mean, were you born into it or was it just something? <laughs> no, you, no. Um, my grandfather long before me had beagles that he ran. Um, and actually the funny thing is, is he ran them more on pheasants. They would run rabbit here and there, but he mainly hunted his beagles purposely on pheasants like as a flushing dog yep and uh so my dad grew up with with beagles but my dad was not a dog person um and then my dad got the navy anyway so he couldn't keep a dog until much later in life anyway but uh my grandfather by the time i came around had gotten out of hunting long before i was ever born we had a neighbor at one point that had some beagles and some bird dogs and then an on the other side of them, that guy had some beagles and eventually once I got older, we had moved away, but I would come back and, and visit every now and again. He had some coon hounds. So between, you know, just seeing, being around all those hunting dogs as a kid, not that I ever got to hunt with them. It just kind of sparked the interest in, you know, the good old Redfern Grows movie and book. Oh yeah. Right. That suckers everybody in, I think. Yep. And then a couple, my, well, my grandfather didn't hunt anymore. He was still real big into fishing and he got a lot of like outdoor life and field and stream magazines. So every now and again, there'd be like an article or something about bird dogs or, you know, the one I remember, <laughs> I vividly remember that the title was barking up bushy tails and it was about squirrel hunting with curs and feist. And oh, yeah. uh, that's kind of what really, I was like 15 and that's really what like drove me into wanting to squirrel hunt and coon hunt with a cur or a feist. Um, and then, you know, it had some websites listed and found some breeders and some guys hunting. And I got on all these old forums that are non-existent anymore. Or even <laughs> if they exist, they're dead. Right. But uh, I found a guy when I went to college and he lived about a half an hour from where I went to school. And he's like, yeah, come on out. And 
his house became my home away from home. And for the two years I lived in Ohio, I was in the woods almost as much as I was in class. You said that was while you were in college? Yeah. Where I got to ask, did you go to Ohio State? I did. <sighs> I still like you. <laughs> OH. I still like you, but I might have to move past that one. Okay. So you, you were in uh, Godforsaken, Ohio. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I know it's crazy to me because getting to talk to all these people, and I think that's like something you can probably appreciate because you do these podcasts. It's mm-hmm. it's crazy to get to talk to so many different people and see like, you know, hound hunting, it seemed like it used to be, it was generational. Oh, yeah. Like it was just passed and passed and passed. But mm-hmm. there is such a wave of those of us, myself included, that just got that initial draw to it by just being around a dog. You know, for me, it was my uncle in Michigan, my great uncle that just passed not long ago. And I remember going back to visit him as a kid. And, you know, we'd travel. We'd take t- three weeks, go back east, spend a week there and a week driving home. And he always had a bird dog and a beagle, at least one of each in the backyard. But as a kid, they're like, well, don't go over and try to pet the dogs because they didn't want me letting them out because there's rabbits everywhere. It's <laughs> place, you know, but it was like that mystical thing. Yeah. Know? And I wanted to know why. What makes these so different? Because I grew up around dogs. That was nothing new. Mm-hmm. But what made these so different? And I, I remember going through when my great grandmother had passed. We went through all of her stuff and I found an original dog license from Hillsdale, Michigan that I know had to have been one of my uncle's dogs. So I got that on one of my hunting truck keychains. I thought that was pretty cool. That's awesome. Cause it's just, you know, it was that initial hook set. Like they're yep. just setting the hook in you. And then you spend the next rest of your life trying to figure out hey, why are we crazy? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I just, I think it's really cool to hear people, I love hearing the stories of why they get into it. Yeah. Not to no. say one's better than the other, you know, but. I was obsessed with with dogs as a little kid. Um, I had dog stuffed animals. At one point I had bunk beds because I had so many, my, my aunt would buy me these like life-size dog stuffed animals. <laughs> and as a kid, so like I literally had a bed full of, of life-size dogs. Um, That's funny. And then I had books on dog breeds and history and they would tell you like you know a little blurb about the breed the history of it you know the stand some of the standard and stuff and i could tell you the history of a whole bunch of breeds as like a 10 year old just because like that was i was just a dog obsessed and just nerded out on it right oh yeah and like the one book it's sitting right here next to me the the binding on the book is gone just because as a kid i looked at that book so much yeah and uh Working dogs always really intrigued me of all kinds. Like for a while, I wanted like a, a whole team of sled dogs, and like I said, forums were the thing back in the two thousand, you know, early to mid two thousands. So like sled dog central, I'm nerding out on that, thinking I'm going to get a sled dog team. Right, and then finally, it was just I, I think actually hooking up with somebody with that had tree dogs before anything else that's kind of why I went this route. Like if, if you would have fell into the hands of somebody else, you know, as a mentor and got into yep. stock dogs or Huskies or whatever. Yeah. I probably would have went whatever route I just kind of fell into. And, and this happened to be what I fell into just by finding somebody that was 
willing to mentor me. So, and you said like you said, were into like curs and vice early on. Are you still hunting curs? Uh, well, that's what depends on what you consider a leopard. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, leopards are like that whole purgatory range. <laughs> yeah. So the UKC considers all three of my dogs hounds. Um, right. But if you look at two out of the three, they, they look like a cur dog. Sure. So, and, and that's, what I, that's what I like. Them? Um, so I, I got cur, I had a mountain cur, I had a, a couple tree and curs. Um, and then I actually tried to get a leopard. It fell through. I got a, an older broke tree and cur, which is the best dog I've ever had. And, but what frustrated me was I'm a member of a, of a coon hunters club. We have hunts and it's like, I couldn't do anything like as far as right. any sort of competitions or anything. Cause they were all sanctioned. They're all sanctioned. And I mean, we, we have like club hunts and stuff. And, and there was nights where for a fat out of shape, little cur dog that looked like a butterball she'd put it on some hounds oh yeah and i'm like you know it'd be awesome just to be able to compete in one of these things and help support the club like i said we're a small club so i'm like even if it's not even if i'm not winning even if i don't have a dog to really push in a hunt that's i'm not gonna go win a world hunt but just to be able to donate 20 bucks to the club sure and and get something out of it it. you know i i remember entering my first coon hunt and i've I really haven't made it to many in years just because life's changed and kids, Mm -hmm. you know, sold my business. So I didn't, I still have a lot of flexibility, but it's hard to get out of here on, you know, Fridays. Yeah. So it was, uh, just supporting the club kind of deal, but cur dogs, I mean, you know, darn good and well, you're kind of like outnumbered. We always pick on the cur guys, (laughs) buddy picks on plot guys. You know, it's just the part of the apology to her. That's why we have been (laughs) on tonight. It's just so we yeah. can apologize to all the cur dog owners. <laughs> no, but, and, I, and I and I understand they're quirky, they're goofy. I get it, but they're cool. They are cool little dogs. And I mean, some of the I remember when I hunted years with my friend Melanie Hampton, and I hope she doesn't mind I name drop them. Um, but she had this little cur dog boss, and that dog was my best friend. He'd ride right <laughs> on the center console, going down the road. You know, he was a cool little dog. I've been mm-hmm. around some Stevens. You know, yeah. I know a couple guys that hunt the Kemmers. Yeah. And they're really interesting little dogs, and they are sharp. I yeah. mean, it seems like I, I'm not bashing old dogs, you know, or like houndy, I call them. Just a mm-hmm. houndy hound. Yeah. But, you know, they just they have a different disposition where those cur dogs, I think of them a lot more like a cattle dog. Super. Yeah. Super focused. Yep. You know, really intelligent. And I, I mean, I could see if that's what you get into, just sticking with it, you know, mm-hmm. because they are a really great utilitarian dog. Yeah. They, they definitely don't have the nose, the drive that most towns do. I, I mean, I'll flat out admit that, but I'm okay with that. I hunt a lot of small patch woods. I don't need a dog that's going to drive out of the country. Right. Um, I don't need, I need a dog that's going to, that's either going to check in or that's going to have a, a really good recall. And while I realize you can do that with a hound now, 10 years ago that, <laughs> you know, before alphas, that really oh, wasn't, yeah. that wasn't common. So no, the alpha no. has changed a lot. No, I remember talking with my mentor, the guy that got me 
it, like I had buddies that got me interested in it, but he really mm-hmm. took me under his wing, Tony. And he was telling me stories, the old wind up shock collars, like you'd see a deer <laughs> run across the road and you'd have to wind this thing up like a little car and then put it on. And when the timer ran out, it gave the dog a, you know, a shock. And he says, you just hoped and prayed that when you turned that loose, that collar worked or you were spending all day out there. Yeah. But so what kind of game do you chase with your cards? Are they game specific or do you bounce back and forth between coons and squirrels? And So anymore, I primarily coon hunt. Um, two young kids most of what i'm most of the time i have available is is night when they're asleep and yours um, are young young right how old are your yeah. kids the oldest is four and the young and the baby he's 14 months yeah because i know we were really close uh, mm-hmm. you know my oldest he's five and then we got a three and a three month now mm-hmm. but i'm the same way i tell people i hunt at night because that's when i can get out of here yeah so you're mainly coon hunting them then yeah now last year i did start um trying to squirrel hunt the one female a little bit because with the four-year-old he's been coon hunting but it's just hard to get him out at night and he stumbles around and so squirrel hunting seems a lot more doable and i took him a couple times and heck the one day he walked a mile and a half and other than getting caught in some getting caught in some briars he did really well that's awesome that's where i'm like let's try to get this dog to tree some squirrels just so some daytime activity but then the other right. two, and the only reason I only have one that I'm doing that with is because the other two, when I get the chance, I like to take them down to West Virginia and Virginia and try to chase some bears. So there I don't go. really want, I really don't want those two to tree a squirrel while I'm bear hunting. No, that, that'll kind of ruin the day <laughs> real quick. It's bad enough that they'll rig coon as we're, you know, early in the morning as we're headed up the mountain down by the creek and it's like my dogs are all rigging my buddy's dogs are all quiet and it's like yeah there's coon somewhere yeah there's coon <laughs> i'm like i'm not gonna shock them but i'll yell at them shut them tell them shut so, up do you get to do much bear hunting then down there i try to make a trip or two a year you know not as much as i'd like like i said kids are young so it's hard right now but i'm hoping when they get a little older and maybe when they can start going along how, how long of a commute is that for you it's not too far is it i the closest I can bear hunt's about three, three and a half hours. Yeah, so that's not bad. That's Depends how we were who, with who I hunt with. That's how we were with California. Is you know you could mm-hmm. leave after work on a Friday, get down to camp, be hunt in the morning, and then hunt Sunday till midday and come home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is nice. You got something that close. I'm not close to anything, but I'm not super far from a lot. Right. I'm, no, that makes sense. This year, I'd like to try and get up and uh, run some bobcats. I, I guy invite me up so because we have bobcats in the state of pennsylvania so and you get one tag a year like we have a month-long season so gonna try and do that one huh yep see that's wild for us on the west coast because like in oregon your record cards for they split it up funny so it's either a record card of 10 for the west side which you can buy multiple western Tags. I don't know if they changed that this year or not to to a limit of one, but I believe you can mm-hmm. buy multiples, or you can do like I do, where I buy a statewide tag and you get five, but okay. you can hunt both sides of the state, which gotcha. is great because you know it's hard to dedicate to that east side tag the way they used to have it. Mm-hmm. You know, because you could only hunt. I mean, you were guaranteed traveling. Where now gotcha. it's like if I slip out and want to go hunt local, it's not mm-hmm. a huge deal. Yeah. But back there, you know, I would think you guys would have a pile of cats, though. 
We don't have a ton here. If you go further north, there's a lot more. Yeah. Like New York, I think they're like you can kill five, I believe. What are you expecting? I mean, as far as like, how do you think your dogs are going to handle going to a cat? Or are you just. Oh, I have no idea. Oh, I'll take them and I'll dump them, but I have no idea. (laughs) We'll see. (laughs) (laughs) That's kind of fun, though. I'm game for running pretty much anything that's not like a running porcupines, fox, and coyotes are like the three things that I don't want (laughs) to mess with. Yeah. Otherwise, anything else I'm all right with. Right. No, it's. um... It's cool that you can transfer, like, or I'm sorry, transition from small game like coons and bear dogs. I know a lot of guys start their bear dogs on coon anyway. Mm-hmm. So I would imagine like your dogs probably do pretty well on the bears, huh? Just not as gritty, you would say. Oh no, they're plenty gritty. Um, they really haven't had a ton of exposure. I have some of the worst luck. So I think while I've had. Like the one female I got her when she was like 10 months old and she was started on bear. So she saw quite a few bear before I got her. But since I got her, she's seen one bear. Gotcha. Uh, my male dog, he's only ever seen one bear and they're both two years old. Mm-hmm. So we dumped them on a track that I'm pretty sure was a coyote. Some, you know, good broke bear dogs started it. So we, I just turned into it thinking it was a bear and we never, it petered out and we were looking for tracks and <laughs> We couldn't find a bear track anywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's a bummer. So I, I know they've seen one bear, and it was Labor Day weekend last year, and it just outran them. Yeah. But my dog stuck in longer than, you know, some experienced bear dogs, so I was kind of happy. He was, you know, one year old at that time. Heck yeah. So oh, That's cool. So they're they're coming, you said three, or they're two right now? I have two dogs that are two and a, an older female It's four. Right on. But this Michigan trip, you're just going to get content and yeah. go hang out and, 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 and go hang out with this guy that I've known for a few years. So, so what are you, what kind of content stuff are you getting? You said you were taking some pictures up there and yeah, a couple of years ago, I picked up my wife's camera, you know, that we got for as a wedding present and started taking it to the woods and she was ready to kill me over it. <laughs> and then sure enough, after a while, I'm like, well, this one really doesn't do what I want. So then I went and spent a bunch more money on a different camera and I have since spent a bunch more money on all kinds of other tech stuff (laughs) and accessories empire, right? We got tree talking media here. So I don't know. I, I I messed with some video stuff when I was in high school, we had a a TV studio. Um, I did, I was also involved in our, like our productions, like in the the tech side of that. So I kind of took a little bit of a break in my early twenties and kind of getting back into some tech stuff and having fun trying to figure oh. it out. Cause a lot's changed. Yeah. No kidding. Right. Back. Was that back when they used to roll the TV in on the cart? You had the TV strapped down to it with a VCR. We did have a couple of those still. <laughs> we how old are you? I'm 31. Yeah. I thought you were a couple of years younger than me. I remember those vividly. That was like the yeah. best day in class. It was AV kid rolls in with a TV <laughs> And you're on cruise control for an hour and a half. Well, by the time I got to high school, my sophomore year of high school, we we switch, we had just built a brand new school. So all the classes by the time I got into tenth grade had a had a TV in them. Oh yeah. So, so see, and they say you don't learn anything useful in high school, but yep, here you are, all these years later. I picked up a couple things. <laughs> so when you're uh, when you're doing these interviews. 
you probably enjoy doing the in-person more, don't you? Oh, yeah. And that's what I'm trying to do more of. I've yet to do any in-person just because when I started out, like I said, I was on Zoom, which made it hard. When you had a trip planned, right? And it just, something came up and it didn't work out. Like, uh, didn't you have a little incident? (laughs) Oh, I, I, I had a trip. I didn't just have a trip planned. I was... I was, I don't know, uh, three quarters of a mile from my destination, oh. um, and I wrecked a car. <laughs> mm, so was it, it cu- your car? I know the uh, answer to this. My wife's. Well, <laughs> it was her car, and then it became my car because we got her a newer car. But like we had just made this transition, so she was still kind of attached to it. So I remember you, know, you following her- me afterwards, or you messaged me. I guess it was. He said, I, I was going to go do these, but I had a little accident. <laughs> yeah, I kind of rolled my car off a bank. Yeah. So, with two dogs in the back. The back Everybody seat full walk of away. gear. Yep. I <laughs> hopped the out of my... dogs okay? My... That's the important part. Were the dogs okay? <laughs> yep. No, I hopped out of my... I, was, I landed on the, on the passenger side of the, the... The car landed on the passenger side. So, I crawled out of the driver's side window. And it, the guy that I was passing, he stopped and he's like, you okay? I'm like, yeah, but I got dogs in the back. I like hurried up, got around to the back and like, you know, then I'm fiddling with keys trying to unlock the door so I could open the back. And here they both are underneath of a blanket that I had laying in the back. They're just like, what the heck just happened? Looking at me. (laughs) So, but we all made it just the car didn't total it. Yeah. Oh man. That's rough. The whole body was just crinkled. The windshield was broke. Uh, both the passenger and driver's windows blew out. So what did the tenant at the rental car agency say when you tried to load up three cur dogs in the back of a car? Oh, I, I didn't get a rental. I had it. Luckily my brother-in-law was, he was on his way home from vacation. So he just kind of made a little bit of a loop over to get me. Hey, there you go. But he had a, he, he had a rental car. Cause, so we just took a, took a tarp and put a tarp in the back. <laughs> Nothing parties like a rental. <laughs> so, they never so, do a thing. So going, I mean, like on this Michigan hunt, and you've, you've got some stuff planned coming up for, for more in-person podcasts. Mm-hmm. How, are you finding yourself enjoying doing these podcasts more and more and just digging in deeper to these guys? Because I'm sure you kind of hear stuff that you wouldn't necessarily hear in an A-B conversation. You know, it's yeah, it feels like when people get talking on these, it just kind of starts flowing and things start really rolling. So I'm sure you get a lot of cool stories, even from guys that you've known for oh, years. Oh yeah, definitely. And you know, with everything, you kind of struggle in the beginning and it's, it's awkward and you finally kind of get over that and you start getting more comfortable talking into a microphone with headphones on. So it's gotten easier because I know the first couple were a little rough on my, uh, even on my own part. So sure. What I like and I think is really cool about your podcast is, you know, most of these we do in-house. Somebody sends the file or we record it like we're doing here. And then Shannon Mm -hmm. takes care of all the edits and stuff. But you literally, you do everything cradle to grave. I mean, it's beginning to end. You you do all your editing and and stuff like that. How, uh, How involved is it compared to like recording time versus your edit time? Um, it really depends. A lot of times what I do is I start recording before I tell them just because that way it just flows in kind of like me and you have talked. And, uh, 
so sometimes like I'll, some of that will get cut out. And then a lot of times when I end it, I might talk to them for another couple minutes, be like, this is when I expected to get out. So it depends on how much on that beginning and end gets cut off. Sure. But then just cutting out little pauses here and there. Um, anything that I goof up because a lot of times it's me that goofs something up, not <laughs> somebody else. Right. So like the one time I was literally in the middle of the interview and I'm just like completely blanked out. And I'm like, I have no idea what I was going to say. <laughs> and it took me a couple minutes to kind of regain my composure and my thought process. And I'm like, okay, now I remember where I'm going with this. So, well, and the hard part, like as a podcaster, cause that's what I'm going to call us right now as podcasters. It's really hard because even on this one, I had technical difficulties getting in to record <laughs> with you and, you know, let alone people who don't really do this all the time. Yeah. And, you know, having to get them through this frustrating part and then we get into just a normal conversation. Sometimes it's, it's interesting to see how people react to that. Oh yeah. But it's, um, it's definitely been a lot of fun and it's cool to hear how things have changed from like first episode to what everybody's putting out now and mm -hmm. hear people kind of hit their own stride because they're all so different. But yeah, I know we all spend a lot of time talking in the, in the background too. Like it mm -hmm. seems like all of us have Facebook chains going back and oh, forth yeah. and talk <laughs> about, you know, it's like this little podcast or podcast uh, group amongst all of us. So it's cool to like hear what oh, yeah, people the, are doing. It was funny. The one day me and bear, we talked for like an hour and a half one day. And it was like, just recorded it. should have been recording this. You know, I was at work. He was looking for a dog, that, like his yard dog that got out and, you know, it was, but back and forth, we just had a really great conversation. A lot of it was about podcasting and kind of what we're doing. And, but it was funny. It was like, man, we actually should have recorded that. That's how it always works. That's why you just hit record and you start and you edit out what you have to, because it's like, I don't know how many times we've got 15 minutes into a conversation and then okay, well, we've got to hit record. We should have hit this 15 minutes ago because yep. that's always my biggest fear is screwing something up to the point where we would have to re-record it like you just went through. Like how hard <laughs> is that to tell somebody, hey, thanks for taking an hour and a half out of your day. Yeah, but, I felt awful. <laughs> um, it didn't work, so we're going to have to do this again. And yep. it's like, then it's kind of like that dog that's learned to check a track. It's like, mm, <laughs> I don't know. Like, are we good? What are we doing here? Is everything going to work yep. this time? That's got to be frustrating. Oh, no. I felt awful asking Brian to redo it. And he was, like, completely cool with it and kind of bent over backwards to make sure it happened. But That's awesome. And, and I've got another one that's kind of the same way that you know about it. Buddy, buddy axed it. <laughs> <laughs> Not, I don't know if it's axed because I've still got one with that same person that's sitting in the back burner. We just got to spread them all out. Well, that person said that they'd be willing to redo it, but they're... Oh, really? I, yeah. Oh, that'd be cool. Just in the future. Right on. So, yeah, we'll make that, make that one happen later. Yeah, that'd be good, because they're super interesting people. In fact, oh, I just yeah, talked definitely. to them this morning. Awesome. Keep listening in future episodes to figure out who we're talking <laughs> about. <laughs> it's like, who do we all have on? Yeah, right. You know, and it's funny, because everybody's doing the bounce. You know, it's, I mean, we still get original guests and people that haven't done a podcast before, but what I love about all you guys doing the W cast is it's like, you know, everybody's pretty friendly and, and we all have gotten to know each other a little bit 
And then, you know, Jared goes on Bear's podcast or Bear was on ours. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like this big kind of network which keeps people on their toes. But it's interesting. Because everybody's got their own feel kind of deal. It's just totally different. So. Definitely. Well, after Michigan, you got any big plans coming up or new puppies in the in the future? Well, I've got an oops letter on the ground Ooh. that are that are only half hound. <laughs> oh no, what's the other half? About tired of chain link fences. I've I've got plans to build a kennel and uh, you know time and money just. Oh, I hear you. They need to come together at the same time. <laughs> it never does, right? You got one or the other. No. You know, because lumber skyrocketed, and I'm like, oh, crap. So I'm, like, trying to wait that out a little bit, and then I'm like, and then this happens, and I'm like, I should have bit the bullet and just, <laughs> I guess, built them, but. Do you know what the dad is? Oh, yeah, the dad's my hound. Um, oh. The, mo- the mom's the, my, <laughs> she's a mixed up dog as it is. She's half King Corso, quarter boxer, quarter bulldog. So you got a bunch of hog dogs. Everybody looking for Pretty a much. hog dog. Get yep. hold of Ben. <laughs> I do. <laughs> No, and granted, she's never seen a hog, but I had a calf get out back in the wintertime, and I cut her loose on it because I was about ready to go get a rifle and shoot this calf. You know, <laughs> four or 500-pound Jersey Angus cross calf, and he was just running circles around my yard. Did not want to go back in, and I finally cut her loose on it, and she went and caught him by the ear and just held oh, on. Really? And I'm like, and it took her a few times just because she didn't know what she was doing. Like I said, she's an older she's a middle-aged dog not old but she's never been on a never been used on a cow and she's like what am i doing here and and then she barked at him a few times and i'm like get him and so finally she's like okay i guess i know what i'm supposed to do (laughs) so that's awesome yeah you might be on to something so they should make some some hog dogs maybe even a cow dog there you go somebody like some a a rough cow dog (laughs) a rough cow dog (laughs) So do you, did you have just like one you were raising for meat or did you guys have a, yeah, no, we, we just have like, we have a two acres and then I rent an acre off the neighbor and we just have a couple calves we, we raise and there you go. Like I said, the one just got out the one day and, and the worst part was we had like eight inches of snow. Oh yeah. So what time of day was it? Was it middle of the night? No, <laughs> no, it was, it was the, I had just came home and he's like standing or what happened was I went to go feed the other one and then he somehow busted over a fence. Like he like kind of half jumped and then the fence just crushed under him. Sure. You know, cause he wanted, Hey, it was the first snow of the year. It snowed during the day while I was at work. So he's getting hungry and getting Rammy comes up over the fence. So you so. and Bear need to do a, a Attack of the Farm <laughs> Animals episode between yeah. his goat debacle that was going on. <laughs> yeah. I swear he told me that story. And I, oh, just I was rolling there and laughed and laughed and laughed and laughed. Yeah, I was rolling when he when he said that on the podcast. Yeah. So go what does season look like for you then? You I know you primarily hunt coons and in PA I'm assuming you got a pretty good coon population. Uh, we have a decent population around here. I mean, nothing crazy. We're not Ohio. We're not, um, you know, the Midwest by any means. But we, uh, like I said, we have a, fa- a fairly decent population. We're we're not. I'm not up in the mountains. I'm kind of rolling hills. A lot of sure. crop ground. But we've got a lot of houses too. So while it's there's not a lot of big timber. Gotcha. So 
So I must probably sound like an idiot here, which is no surprise. But isn't PA still one of those states where you guys aren't allowed to hunt on a Sunday? Yes. So so how does that work now, coon hunting? So, which actually that kind of got changed, but only partially so. I thought like so. I guess it was last year. Well, last year was the first year it was implemented. We, had, we got three Sundays allowed. One was given to archery deer. One was given to bear. One was given to uh, deer firearm season. And then this year, they basically opened it up. So the first two Sundays that it's basically it's it's all in November. So the first two you're allowed to hunt small game coon. coon you got you can coon hunt all three of them actually. Um, but a lot of things shut down for firearm steer season, like a lot of small game seasons close for our regular right. two week firearm season because deer are king. So oh yeah. <laughs> so so that, how, we're how one does of the work. For like you guys hunting at night, though, I mean, does that mean you got to be done by Saturday night at midnight? So you can train year round without a firearm. So if you're actually for one, most people half time don't even carry a gun anymore. So if right. you're actually carrying a gun, if you get back to the truck, you throw your gun in before mid, you know, around midnight, no one's going to say anything. So if you want to keep hunting, you just hunt without a gun. So you, there's a definite distinction between pursuit. And yeah. hunting, like you can't hunt with the the intention of taking an animal yes. past midnight so, or you know Sunday morning, yes. but you can still pursue. Yes. So basically, as long as you don't, you go, you take your twenty three rifle back to the truck. You're you're good to go. That's and so same thing wild. with like a Sunday evening. Like I'll go out on a Sunday evening every now and again, and that's the same thing. It's just you just can't take a gun with you. And you guys don't get any pushback on that. I just still can't wrap my head around why. Sunday hunting is a thing, but I mean, I'm crazy West coast guy, I guess. I, I don't mean, know. I'm see like when I moved to Ohio, I was like, kind of like, wait a minute, you're allowed to hunt on Sundays. Like it was just, even though I didn't hunt really much when I was a kid, I at least knew about it and I knew sure. you couldn't hunt Sundays. So it was just, that was normal. It was ingrained in you. And then I get out there and I'm like, wait a minute, I can hunt on Sundays. <laughs> I'm like, yeah. you know, being a college student, I'm like, okay, Sundays, I'm not no class. So excellent. That but, is uh, wild. I just don't understand the logic behind it. And even with like the squirrel, like taking my one dog out for squirrel, I go out on Sundays often because I just don't carry a gun. Like I'm in it for the dog work. So I know a lot of beagle guys that do the same thing. And that's so, cool. They don't give you a bad time. Like, I mean, you ever had any no. confrontations on that? No. Or really? Coyotes are one thing you're allowed to hunt on Sunday. So I know a lot of coyote guys, like, especially during the fall and during deer season, that's when they like to hunt because there's nobody else. There's nobody out deer hunting. So they right. like to run coyotes. So I know that's one big thing. Like a lot of hound guys actually kind of like the no hunting on Sundays because Coyotes are one of the few things you can hunt, or a lot of guys are willing just to just go out there and run dogs with no gun. Sure, and, cuts and not down have to on some and not have to compete. Sure. Yep. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the guys out there complaining you're ruining their deer hunts and. Yep. So a lot of hound guys that I've talked to, they're actually okay with it just because they've gotten used to to it, and and it eliminates the competition and confrontation. That makes sense. Because I, I thought I remembered him saying something about 
last year they had made some changes, but I couldn't remember mm-hmm. what they were. Yeah, so it's it's a legislative issue. It's not a, a game commission issue. Okay. So it had to go through the legislator and they were they they passed law allowing three Sundays. The three Sundays are up to the, the game commission to regulate when those three Sundays are used. Yeah, and that that's gotta be nice for the guys. I mean, like you and I were talking, you work half day Saturdays. Mm-hmm. So if you're deer hunting, I mean, when do you get a chance to deer hunt? Your Saturday evening? Yeah. Or do you do and- you deer hunt? I, I rarely do, um, and I might take it. I, I actually deer hunt real close to work, so a lot of times what I do is I just hunt in the evening. And I'll just go from work. Sure. If I if I deer hunt, but a lot of times I get out maybe five times a year to deer hunt. Right. It's, well, I can it's imagine. It's not my priority. <laughs> yeah, it's not a priority, and you're limited. I mean, like you're taking a whole day off of the week. That really limits your opportunity when it's, what, a month season or something? So firearms is two weeks, two weeks for, for, for our regular, our regular deer firearms where it's buck and doe. We have an extended firearms. If you have a doe tag. Oh, no kidding. So you guys must, but if you want to sh- deer, Oh, I could, I can get, I forget. I, I basically my little zone here. Um, it's unlimited deer tag, doe tags. Cause we've got a lot and we have, we have one of the longest seasons, it opens up mid September and runs all the way through January. There's some sort of deer season open. Oh, crazy! That's how it was. I know when my dad used to go back to Michigan, it was uh, you know on the unlimited doe tags. It was what like ninety nine cents, I think, for a resident deer tag back in the day. You could go buy an extra doe tag for a buck, and then you yeah. bought two buck tags. And out here, we're like, we get one if you're lucky enough to draw a a doe tag or an antlerless tag, you know, I think I've been seven years since I've drawn one, you know, that's just a freezer filler kind of deal. Yeah. We're back there. It's like, I remember hearing the deer report on the radio, like how many (laughs) motor vehicles versus deer happened. And it's like, you guys just live in deer central. Oh yeah. No, like I said, we, we only get one buck tag, but, and, and other parts of the state doe tags are not near, are not as, generously given but where i'm at i'm in a very populated area and we have a ton of deer can you run them with the dogs if you wanted to or is that not no. accepted no no so big game is classified as turkey deer bear and elk well spring turkey fall turkey you're allowed to use dogs but not spring turkey that's how it is in oregon too that's crazy it must be federal you know because i know it's a different classification but um you're not allowed to use hounds on any big game in the state of Pennsylvania. Gotcha. So what about so while like I, blood trailing or recovery that just became legal a couple of years ago and it has to be all be off on a leash on lead. Yeah. Yeah. And you probably can't have a means to take, huh? I don't believe so, but I really don't know much about it. I've never really looked into it. That's how we are. You know, even, you know, it's a, I don't want to say it's a gray area because it's not, but in people's minds, it's really hard because like we can take our dogs out on lead without a means to take and Mm -hmm. blood trail any big game animal to the best of my understanding. But if you have a means to take, I mean, then you're pursuing and it's illegal means to take. Yeah. That's um, the deer dogging thing, man. That really intrigues me because I I went a couple years ago. Dude, what was it like? 
to be running trash on purpose. No. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I sat in a deer stand. Um, so I actually wasn't like running dogs. So you sit in there and all of a sudden you just hear, you know, a whole bunch of hounds just raising cane and, and long before they ever get to you, you'll see the deer. Right. Like at least in my case, like I never saw them burning a deer, like where they were like, they were sight chasing. Where they were trailing. Dogs. Yeah. They were trailing the deer, the deer get up and start moving around as soon as they hear hounds. Mm-hmm. Now I missed a shot at a buck because they jumped them up. I was sitting like a cutover. And they jumped him up off on my right, and he starts heading back behind me, and I had a big hedgerow behind me, and there was an open bean field. So I had a little little path through that hedgerow. So I start getting trying to get into that, go through that path, and I guess there was either a dog or somebody on the other side of that hedgerow down on the end where they jumped him, and he was headed through, but he, that, that turned him around. And if I would have sat still, he would have ran right past oh, me. Oh, no. <laughs> And how do and they, had, how do they start the tracks out there? I mean, I'm going to get a deer deer dog guy uh, on here. We have to. They just they just dump dogs, just free cast them and let them go. At least at least the guys that I I hunted with, that's kind of the way it was. They just so you, dumped you, a bunch of dogs and they just free cast. And then you got dog you got races going all different directions, and they're hollering back and forth on the radios. We got deer going this way, and it's and you're sitting in a stand. You got a radio, so you can hear. Oh no, kidding. Yeah. So they just kind of fan out. Like you got multiple races going at once. Yeah. And you don't know if it's a buck or doe until somebody sees it. And then they, Yep. I'm assuming if they get a good buck rolling, they'll, they'll mm-hmm. maybe pull dogs off of another one or. The club that I was at, they had like a, I forget what the, what the rule was, but they had a rule. Like it, you couldn't shoot like a, it, it was like a size. I don't think it was a point restriction, but it was like past the ears or something. Right. Right. I, something I, I believe. Easily. Especially because a lot of times you're seeing you're shooting deer on the run, right? So it's not like you're sitting there counting points. But uh, yeah, I had a couple doe come up the hedgerow towards me, but either they winded me or something because then they ended up going back in. I got a shot off at one doe, but and somebody else had actually already shot her. But I don't think I hit her, and we trailed her for a little ways. We never could find her. That's wild. But it was crazy. It was it was a lot of fun, but. It Fast was, pace, probably, it, huh? Like bear hunting. It, it's you're doing nothing, and then all of a sudden, you know, all the action at once, and then it's nothing again. <laughs> That's what my kids call go time. I hear it all the time. Yeah. Dad, is it go time? It's like, yeah, it's <laughs> go time right now, buddy. So, are you gonna go try it again? You think? Oh yeah, I'll definitely go back. Um, I got a, the guy that I went with. He's a member of a club that it's a deer dogging club, and. He's he served in the Navy with my dad, and so like him and his wife were friends with my parents. Like, so he's known me all my my entire life. So we went down, and I me and my or I went down and stayed with him for a couple days and hunted with him a couple days, and then a couple years before that, me, him, and somebody else went on a hog hunt. So, and that's something I think a lot of the the newer hunters that are getting into this they don't understand. You know, if they're from the West side, those hunt clubs, I mean, it's a real deal. Like it's the country club for houndsmen. Oh yeah. Membership, you know, they only take so many people, a lot of them. It's really interesting how they've set that up, you know, just to keep things going. And it's still fairly exclusive. Yeah. 
I don't know exactly how this club operates, but I know like there's a there's an annual membership. You have to do so many service hours. Um, so they've got a clubhouse there. There, it's got a bunkhouse. So like, if you w- wanted to stay there on like the weekends, they get up, they have like this big breakfast. Um, before and then you you all come together and and you meet there for breakfast. You eat breakfast and then like whoever's in charge that day, like there's some older guys that are just been there for a long time and they kind of call the shots. And so they're, they kind of, we're going to hunt this block of woods today. You know, you go over here, you go over here and kind of divvy it out and tell everybody where to go. And then the, then the, the hound guys kind of get together and be like, okay, you're going to go to this side and dump hounds on this side. You're going to go over this side and then come back at lunchtime, eat lunch, go back out. And then, especially on the weekends, like usually on Saturday night, at least while I was there, they had like a big dinner Saturday night. Sure. Whole clubs got bucks like all around the place. So like good taxidermy or old. Uh, my favorite thing is old Both. taxidermy. I love just crappy old beat up taxidermy. <laughs> now it's both. And, and all of them are, are deer that have been killed there. Off, oh, on the like, club. From the club. So, and the guy that I hunt, the guy that I, been friends with for a long time and i hunted with his son-in-law has been a a member of that club since he was a little kid and he's like i know the story of every one of these bucks you you asked me what the story is i'll know it so i asked him one he goes yeah that one was shot right where my house is he goes right where my swing set is that used to be a giant thicket he goes that buck was killed there i'm like oh so you you put your house right in the middle of a good spot to hunt he goes yep dude no way (laughs) there's your next podcast right there get over there and talk to him that's a yeah it's just like a big common group. And I think yeah. that's what like I, I miss about our bear hunting when we used to go mm-hmm. to California. And, you know, I only had a couple of years down there with those guys. And they had been hunting down there since we lost it in Oregon. But the camaraderie and just mm-hmm. the sitting around and the stories and, you know, all the roads got nicknames. And it's this just onion of layer upon layer upon layer of these guys just building something together yeah. that I, nobody's going to understand it until you're part of something like that. Yep. It's really cool. I've never been like a bear camp quite the same. I mean, I bear hunt with different guys and it, it but it's just not quite like a camp per se. Right. But yeah, I, I, over the last few years, especially the one guy that I hunt with him and his wife, you know, we've hunted together the four, last four years. So just, and they, in the process, they've moved a couple times. So like they even moved to a whole new area. So like the first year we kind of like, he's like, we'll go see if we can find something. But he goes, you know, I'm t- learning the area myself. And so sure. over like the years we've kind of progressed and, and I've started to get to know the area. And so he's like, yeah, I, I you know, we've done pretty good up in this area. So this is where we're going to go. I'm like, okay, yeah, that's where we struck that bear last year. And he goes, yeah. Right. So just kind of getting to know, the area myself and so i can definitely see especially a group of guys that have hunted for a long time together no it's it's totally crazy just to sit back and listen like Mm -hmm. had i been doing what i'm doing now this whole podcast thing i think back to the thousands of podcast episodes that happened over a radio or Mm -hmm. sitting around listening to the football game on am radio you know (laughs) and like i was really fortunate there were several generations in ours so it's just built and That's built awesome. and built. And, you know, mm-hmm. I'll never forget the weekend after Thanksgiving for us. That was the big one. 
because everybody brought leftovers. All the wives came down. <laughs> you know, my wife, she usually went with me. We were dating at the time, but she pretty much went every time. And she'd yeah. pick up dogs if we were walking to a tree or whatever. She'd run the telemetry box and she'd find dogs. But that weekend after Thanksgiving, most guys had Friday off. Unlike yeah. being at W in retail, Black Friday is kind of a big <laughs> deal. So that doesn't happen yep. anymore. But that was the AKA buddy Jason wants off. Yeah. <laughs> no, he actually he opened it up. He said, I think we're gonna start letting letting somebody if they really want it take it off. And I'm like, that is huge, man. Black Friday <laughs> is wild around W. It, it's nuts. Yep. Oh, but we we used to always sit down there and you know, we always cooked out of Dutch ovens, you know, mm-hmm. get a fire going. Yeah. But that weekend it was a feast after you had a day to recoup from Thanksgiving. I mean, <laughs> it, you would eat until you couldn't move. You'd swell from sodium for days. But it was like get, a, this, get to walk it all off. Oh my gosh, yeah, it was horrible. I mean, you had to stay hydrated. I figured that out after the first <laughs> round. But you know that the same thing you can listening to those kids around camp telling the story of the day or oh I remember the bear daddy got you know last year yeah and they tell those stories and it's like man that is just some stuff I wish I wish I could go back and record a bunch of it now oh yeah definitely but we all know that doesn't happen time marches on mm-hmm. now like I said just I've got to meet a few old timers and just let Sitting on the phone and talking to these guys, I'm like, man, I just need to record all these conversations. Sure. Because some of the stories that these guys will tell me, I'm like, I couldn't even imagine. Like the one guy's like, oh, yeah, I could take you over to the home place. You know, I grew up with a dirt floor, snakes right? You know, in the house, you know, tell me about bear hunting when he's 10 years old. Isn't that you know, I'm just like, can't even think, fathom that today as a 30-year-old, you know, I've grown up fairly modern. Right, American household, like so, it's well, just a whole different world. We want to think that that was so long ago, when really, I mean, it is not that long ago. The fact that things have changed so much since, like, oh, yeah. you think our old timers—they're in their seventies, eighties. You mm-hmm. know, that's that isn't that long ago. Like a no. lot of them are literally still hunting, and these are guys that had no tracking equipment. Like you said, dirt yep. floors, they milked cows in the morning, they hunted whenever they got a chance, they had ranch dogs, and now it's like we're so, it, it has changed so much, it blows my mind. You're buying a $50,000 truck and, you know. $3,000 dog box. and A couple thousand dollars worth of tracking collars and, you know, a thousand dollar handheld and, you know, a couple hundred dollar radios. and <laughs> Oh yeah, like back then it was... You know, a dog might have been worth keeping because it had a $100 collar on it. You know, an old Johnson or <laughs> Wildlife. Now it's like, man, 300 bucks. I don't know if the dog's worth 300 <laughs> <laughs> I've thought the same thing. There were some nights I'm like, dog, if you didn't have a... And even then, it was... When I first got started, I was only an Astro collar. I'm like, if you didn't have a that collar on, I'm not sure I'd take you home right now. <laughs> Just some of those frustrating it. nights. Oh, yeah. No, it's crazy how things have changed over the years. But I mean, to a positive side of it, I mean, now we've got these platforms like podcasting, which I've gotten so much feedback in the last couple of weeks. It's unreal. Mm -hmm. You know, people for everybody, you know, Bears podcast years. I had some guys comment to me today. It's like 
now there's this platform to get all the information out to people to, you know, just broaden the horizons. Cause I remember starting, I didn't know anybody past my zip code and that's just how things were done. You bred with local dogs, you hunted with local guys, or now Mm -hmm. it's like, you can jump in a car and make an appointment and drive three States over to meet somebody for a hunt and breed a dog. And it's like, all you had to do was type a message. It's crazy. Oh yeah. No, the Facebook and Instagram has changed a lot. I know I've gotten connected. Oh yeah. No, I've gotten like connected with a lot of different people. Just you see a dog. Hey, how's your dog bred? You know, start, start a conversation all of a sudden, you know, Oh, they're inviting me to come on with them. So, right. Yeah. I know someday all you, all the listeners out there that have offered to take me hunting someday, I'm going (laughs) to cash in and I'm just going to disappear for like a year and go hunt with everybody. (laughs) I would love to do that. Cause that oh, yeah. is one benefit when you're the Garmin guy. Yeah. There are a lot of invites to go hunting and they're genuine. That is one thing I will say about our customers. Oh yeah. They're the best in the world. They are genuine when they say it, you know, it's really cool. So someday maybe I'll get to cash in on that, make a little tour. Definitely. That's yeah. what I'd like to do. Yeah. We need but to get you out here. Be a month. <laughs> we need to get you out here to do some, some video or some, some photography stuff and just come out and meet, you know, see the W shop and that would get be you awesome. I've never, this trip to Michigan will be the furthest West I've ever been in the, in the United States, not counting when I flew to Mexico for my honeymoon, but Oh man, you know, you gotta get, you gotta get West of the Rockies and check it out. I, like I said, I haven't even made it West of the Mississippi. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe baby step it. You start <laughs> off somewhere in the middle and then when you're ready, we'll bring you over here. So, well, as far as somebody, if they want to get a hold of you or check out your, your social media, where should they find you, Ben? Uh, it's Tree Talking Media on both Facebook and Instagram. I'm pretty active. So you going to give updates on this hunt, like live time, or are you going to save it all for a podcast? I don't know. Uh, a lot of times I, I don't say too much when I travel just because wife and kids. Oh, yeah. But so I don't know. We'll see. It'll be a surprise this- for everybody. <laughs> so. Well, awesome, man. I appreciate you coming on tonight. It's nice to, now we've got interviews with everybody on the, the Hound Network here. So no, I appreciate getting on and talking to you. It's always a good time talking to you. Yeah, you bet. Cause usually I'm stuck answering phones and it's like four hours before I ever call you back. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, big deal. I really appreciate you coming on. I know it's late your way and baby's asleep, but I appreciate it, man. No problem. It's getting to be dinner time over there, I bet. Yeah, we're getting close. <laughs> Dogs are out there getting ready for dinner. I can hear them. So <laughs> I'll let you get going, man. But thanks a lot. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs>